Dear God, we pray for a fresh anointing of our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be still and to know, to know that you are God. And it's through Christ that we pray. Amen. While we were living in China back in the 90s, I had the opportunity to go visit Tibet, the rooftop of the whole world. We went there to go scout out teaching opportunities for Mennonite teachers. And uh, the wonderful, cool thing is that the very first teacher who came was Irene Martin's daughter, Elaine. Well, early one morning, while it was still very, very dark, we set out in our four-wheel drives to travel all the way to the base camp right below Mount Everest. Now, what you have to know is that at two miles above sea level, the Milky Way and the starscape above were absolutely astonishing. Breathtaking. I've never seen anything like it, and uh, I probably never will again. Well, we drove higher and higher in our four-wheel drives along gravel roads, and sometimes the cliffs down beside us were absolutely terrifying. Sometimes the roads went so high that we could see stars below the road that we were going to drive up on. It was scary. And finally, when dawn was just breaking, at dawn's first light, we came to this spectacular vista place. And suddenly we could see behind us all the way back to the place or from the place where we had come. And we could see forward all the way to the place we were going, which was Mount Everest rising 29,029 feet ahead of us. And friends, in the same way this morning, as we are tracing this image, this notion, this idea of covenant through the Bible, today we have arrived at a spectacular vista point in Scripture where we can see all the way behind us to the covenant that God made with Moses, and we can see all the way ahead of us to the coming covenant in Jesus Christ. Now, before we dive into this passage, let's just recap again very briefly what we've been learning so far in our series. You'll remember a covenant is not is not a temporary agreement, right? But instead, it is a lasting and sacred relationship. In Hebrew, the word for covenant, let's all do this again, means to create a bond, pull, feel the strength of that bond. Or as we've been saying with our kids, as you can see on our bulletin cover, it also has the notion of carefully tying a strong and secure knot. 
So along the way, these past five Sundays, we've been meeting a God whose fundamental orientation toward us is one of loyal, steadfast, faithful, and covenantal love. And not only that, this God wants us to live and to love back in return in the same kind of faithful way. As we hear today, God says to us again and again in Scripture, I will be your God, and you, you, East Chestnut, you will be my people. And in the church are covenants that we make with each other of baptism, of church membership, of marriage, of ordination. All of these covenants create a kind of relational infrastructure in our church. A stability, a reliability, a freedom from the relational chaos that we often see in the world. God gives us these covenants so that we can all thrive and flourish together as God intends. Back in 1975, the uh, band Three Dog Night opens uh, one of their songs with the line, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, right? He was a mighty good friend of mine. Okay. Well, uh, I want to break it to you this morning that in the Bible, though, (laughs) uh, Jeremiah isn't a bullfrog, uh, but rather he is a prophet. And the beautiful thing is that God's call comes to this Jeremiah. It's such a beautiful and tender thing. When he is just a young person, in fact, probably when he's just a teenager. God comes to him and says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. And the Hebrew here for I knew you, I know you, is yada. Let's all say that together. See, you're all going to be fluent in Hebrew by the time we're done with you here. Now, it sounds a little bit like yada, doesn't it? Yada, you know, as in yada, yada, yada. I did a little research and uh, learned that yada, yada, yada came into popular culture when? Back in especially 1997 through a Jerry Seinfeld episode, right? Yada, yada, yada. And, uh, of course, we all know now, I didn't know before then, but we all know now that this is an expression you use, right, when you're trying to cut to the chase and to sort of do away with all extraneous details. Sometimes we also say blah, blah, blah. It doesn't sound very good. But we say that. The thing is, is that in the Bible, yada, I have to tell you, is the furthest thing away from blah, blah, blah. Yada is a holy word and it describes God's own deep yearning to know us 
and to be known by us. To be in relationship with us. To be in communion with each of us. In fact, this is such an intimate knowing that it is also used to describe the knowing that happens between couples like Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve yada each other, it produces Cain and Abel. So in our story, God calls Jeremiah to bring a Jeremiad. Did you know that word comes from his name? A Jeremiad of doom and destruction to his own faith community that has been flagrantly breaking covenant with God for decades. Their mistreatment of the poor, he says, is living proof that they don't know God anymore. Because as God says in Jeremiah twenty-two sixteen, to know me is to share my special concern for the stranger, the widow, and the orphan among you. And all week, I found myself asking, what would Jeremiah have to say to us? To our church? To our city? To our nation? Do we share God's heart for the least, the last, and the lost? Do we really know God In Jerusalem, 30 years later, after Jeremiah has preached for 30 years, with God's people still refusing to turn away from their wicked ways, the doom and the destruction that Jeremiah has been warning them about for 30 years finally comes to pass. And the Babylonian Empire enters Jerusalem, destroys it, and hauls away much of its population into exile far away in Babylon. Our reading today comes after all of that happens. Context is so important in Scripture. And Jeremiah now is no longer a teenager, but he's in his 50s. And he's among those who have been left behind in Jerusalem. And in a letter to these far away and shell-shocked exiles in Babylon, he's sharing God's astonishing message of hope and restoration for them. I will make a new covenant with you. I'm going to write my instruction On your hearts. I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. And then he says this You shall know me. You shall know me from the greatest to the least. You shall all know me. 
I mean, after their decades of unfaithfulness, how can God be saying such tender things to them of all people? Because God's steadfast love for them and for you and for me endures and lasts forever. And later on through Jesus, this new covenant is extended to the whole world. Those Greeks that we saw up here today, they're a sign. They're a sign of the global and inclusive reach of God's love that is yet to come. God wants all people to be drawn to know to Yadah God. So for Lent, some of you know that I've been uh, walking the streets of our city. Uh, I think I'm around uh, 90 miles in on the 100 miles of our city. In fact, I'm starting to get sad about (laughs) uh, ending this thing. Oh, okay, all right. One of the uh, great surprises is, you know, you start something, you don't know what's going to happen, right? And one of the great surprises is that some of you have been tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, can I come along? Or maybe I'll invite you. And uh, last Thursday, I was walking with Jason Cunningham when uh, we were on Market Street, and we came to a place called the Incredible Tattoo Factory. (laughs) That's a good thing to come upon with your old bishop. (laughs) Uh, The incredible I-N-K. Get it? Ink-credible. They had this uh, wonderful sign in front, and it said this, tattoos are the stories in your heart written on your skin. And of course, you know, being a pastor and a preacher, my thoughts went right away to Jeremiah 31. Because, friends, in this passage, our dear and loving God is calling us to a deep, deep internalization of God's love. Later on, Jesus is going to pick this up in Matthew 23 when he says, stop Hey folks, stop wasting your time cleaning the inside of your cup. Instead, let your cup be cleaned inside, transformed inside by God. From the inside outward. After God's love has been tattooed on our hearts, the externalities of our faith living and loving faithfully, become a joy rather than a burden. That's what Jesus is talking about, by the way, when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God changes us from the inside out. And when we focus only on the outer things, the inner transformation is missed. 
In other words, dear friends, our faith journey is not about trying harder and harder to follow a bunch of external rules, but about a transformational relationship with God that begins deep inside and then ripples outward to reshape how all of us live our lives. So let me ask you this question this morning, dear friends. How is this connecting? How is this knowing God happening in your life? Because it's not optional for the followers of Jesus. Especially in these turbulent and violent times. In my own life, this is why I try to pray and meditate every day. For ten years now, God has been slowly excavating, and there's a lot of excavating to do, my inner anger, my selfishness, my fear. And slowly but steadily transforming me into who I really am. And God knows that's going to take all of this life and probably all of the next life to accomplish. My dear family knows that really well too. What I'm trying to say is like never before, dear friends, I believe that it's our inner life with God. It's our inner life with God that leads to an outer life, a faithful life, a fruitful life in the world. All right, enough theology. Let's, uh, let me close with a story. For the past uh, four years, Maddie Jantz has been singing in uh, McCaskey High School's Gospel Choir. Uh, For four years she's been doing that, and this year she's the president. Maybe some of you saw there was recently a beautiful article in the paper about her choir director. Did you all see that? Colette Stevens. And Colette Stevens says that when she was in high school... She had an absolutely contentious and turbulent and tumultuous relationship with her own music teacher. I love that. But that teacher and Colette's mother refused to give up on her. Their steadfast love for her hung in there and they wouldn't let her go. And the wonderful thing is, in this interview, the uh, reporter starts to ask Ms. Stevens about all the things hanging on the wall of her office. And among these things are a quote from her dear mother, and there's also a photograph of that teacher with whom she was in such fierce conflict sometimes. Their wisdom is written on her heart now and shaping 
who she is on the outside. So here's the beautiful thing. To know Ms. Stevens is to know, to yada, her mother and her teacher. And in the same way we hope and pray, may it be said that to know East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church is to know, is to yada, God. Yada, yada, yada. Amen.